Welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi, along with my co-host, Brian McFarlane. We're both with Russell Street Report. The Front Office is brought to you in part by Royal Farms. Start each morning with a hot, fresh cup of Royal Farms coffee. It's made one cup at a time from the finest coffee beans in the world. Brian, how are you? Good, good, Tony. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Never a dull moment in the NFL. The owners and coaches and GMs are all down there in the, at the Breakers in Palm Beach. And perhaps the biggest news coming out of there today was the change in overtime rules going forward during the postseason in overtime. Each team will get a possession after which it becomes sudden death. So your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think they had to do something. I, I don't know if you'll ever find a, a fair, equitable way. Um, you know, the team that wins the coin toss still has an advantage as long as they score first, you know, Um because it gave it will go to sudden death after the after both teams have had a possession. So if they both score three or they both score seven, then you know the team that won the coin toss still has the advantage. But at least we don't see where Buffalo never got you know a chance to touch the ball like we did in the playoffs this past year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what teams do whether they'll want the ball first to set the tone or whether they'll want the ball second um, to know what they need to do. Um, and, you know, or then do they, you know, will they trouble teams if they, you know, if it does, if it is seven points and then, you know, followed by another six, will they go for two so that the other team that, you know, again, the team that won the toss doesn't get the ball back, um, with an easy chance to, you know, kick a field goal or something like that. So it's, it's not perfect, but I, I do think it's an improvement. Yeah, I think it's an improvement too. And I was never one that wanted this rule changed for the regular season, because God knows they just added a 17th game. These guys have enough on their plate in terms of the physicality and getting through the wear and tear of a season to have to go through extended overtime periods. But so I, I do like the rule. I, I hear what you're saying. It, it seems to me that the games that I remember the most with overtime when it counted the most in, in the postseason was this Super Bowl with the Falcons and the Patriots when the Patriots were just starting to run through the Falcons, then they won that that coin toss to go into overtime. And you just knew right then and there the game was over because the Falcons had no chance of stopping them. And it seemed that way also last year when the Bills and the Chiefs played, whoever was going to win that coin toss was just going to run through the other team's defense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but let's talk about some of the cap issues and some of the things near and dear to the Ravens. And, and I want to start, Brian, by talking about a couple of deals – that you got more information on this week as they were posted on the NFLPA website and whatnot. And those deals are with Patrick Ricard and Michael Pierce. So can you just summarize what the deals are in years again, what the dollars are, and then the first year impact of each one of those? Yeah. So the, um, the both deals I, I were structured, um, they weren't terribly backloaded. They were structured pretty reasonably. And, and both deals um, give the Ravens an out at, you know, at the necessary time. So uh, Ricard's deal was three for uh, 11.25. Um, so only 3.75 uh, mil per year, um, which I think is pretty solid. Clearly the uh, alleged market that was going to break open for him did not happen. Um, you know, so for the first year, uh, his um, his cap number for this year is just two point one nine million. Um, so that's very, very reasonable. 
it really doesn't go up substantially just because it's not that big of a deal. It's a little over 3.9 next year. And then in the, in the third year, it's a little over 5 million. Um, but as the cap goes up, that won't, you know, that won't seem so uh, like, and I don't think it's a big number to start with, but it, you know, it's not a terribly big number. And in that last year, if, if they want to, you know, if they don't, if they don't want him around anymore, there's 4 million in cap savings and just a little over a million in dead money in that third year, which is 2024. So it's pretty easy to get out of, to be honest with you, if they want to get out of it next year, um, there would, there'd only be about 2.3 million in dead money and they'd save about 1.6. So, you know, I mean, there is cap savings there. Um, if they decided if the, you know, if, if they were going in a different direction with the offense, um, I doubt they would do that. I think, I think he's here for at least two, but you know, it's certainly, uh, it's not an onerous contract that would make it hard for them to get out of. So, um, so that's Ricard. And then um, Pierce's is a bigger deal. It's it's three years for sixteen and a half million uh, total. Um, but again, you know his cap number this year is relatively low. It's just over three million at three point one nine. Um, and then next year, uh, it's it's just just under six million. And then about seven point five million in the third year. Uh, but again. You know, worst case scenario, they want to get rid of him next year. Um, it's close to four million in dead money, but there's two million in cap savings. So, again, not the end of the world. And certainly in that third year, if they get the both of these, if they get two years out of it, it's it's it, they're golden. Uh, in that third year for for uh, Pierce, if they were to cut him, they'd save five point five million and only take on one point nine million in dead money. So. Um, both deals are, are, are structured uh, appropriately. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but uh, structured well. They're, they're, they don't hurt the team in any way. Um, and while Pierce's, that 16.5 sounds a little big, the structure of it doesn't make it so bad. Brian, where does that leave the team right now in terms of cap space? So they're just over $7 million in cap space. Uh, yeah, 7.1. Um, but obviously they've got, you know, they've still got to be mindful of those, uh, you know, those expenses, those future expenses we always talk about. Um, they're going to have to do something as far as a restructure or an extension. They're going to need to find cap space somewhere, but they're within that effective cap space realm where if they do some restructures, they still have a, a move or two to be able to make. Okay. Now, before I had wanted to ask you a little bit about Patrick McCarry's deal and then compare that to Bradley Bozeman, who signed with the Carolina Panthers. But I find it interesting that this kid, Ben Mason, who the Ravens, I shouldn't say the Ravens, John Harbaugh and the family, the Harbaugh family was all over coming out of Michigan, their favorite player. And they just you know raved about him. He came into camp last year, didn't do much of anything. You know, and I guess the excuses or, or the rationale, I should say, behind him not doing much in camp was the fact that there wasn't a lot of contact in camp. And that's where he shined or allegedly shined. But the Ravens cut him. He's a fifth round pick. He goes to New England, close to his hometown in Newtown, Connecticut. They let him go. He goes to Chicago. They let him go. And he ends up back in Baltimore only to see the Ravens sign Patrick Ricard to an extension. 
Yeah, it is kind of funny how that played out. I mean, clearly the idea was he was the, uh, seemingly the idea was he was the heir apparent and they felt that, you know, that Ricard was probably uh, going to price himself out of town for that role. As it turned out, it didn't, neither of those things played out that way. And here we are with both of them. So, um, you know, Mason, I don't think he's making the team now, whether he was going to or not, you know, before this was debatable, I guess, but uh, certainly it doesn't seem to be a place on the team for him now. So I don't know. He might be one of those guys after they sign a bunch of undrafted free agents, you know, they may cut him loose to let him look for a better opportunity or they keep him around just in case Ricard gets hurt. Right. Cause it's happened before. So you, you never know. Right. But anyway, let's, let's move on to the Patrick McCarry deal. When the Ravens signed him towards the end of the 2021 season before he could hit the market, I thought it was a reward for Patrick because of the way he played so well at right tackle. He wasn't going to be a pro bowl player at right tackle, but he was certainly serviceable and the flexibility that he brings to the locker room and to the field of play and to that roster really helps them. So I, I thought in part, he was being rewarded for that flexibility. And it's nice to have a rotational piece like that across the offensive line. That said, here comes Bradley Bozeman and Bozeman, you know, if you look, if you put any stock into pro football focus, he ranked ahead of Ryan Jensen, who agreed to a three-year, $39 million deal. I don't think that's, that deal has been signed yet. I'm not sure, but uh, I've, I've heard that that deal has not yet been signed, but they've agreed to terms for three years, $39 million. So you would think, comparatively speaking, that Bozeman would get somewhere in the neighborhood since he was ranked three notches higher by PFF, uh, you know, ahead of Ryan Jensen. So with that all said, Bozeman ends up signing a one-year, $2.8 million deal in Carolina. And now we're hearing John Harbaugh at the owners meetings talking about how Macari seems to be the favorite to start at center. Compare that deal to what Bozeman signed. And I think it's created some confusion uh, amongst the Ravens flockers. Yeah, I think, I mean, the way I've looked at it is, and, and it, some of this is certainly speculation, but I feel like, um, when Bozeman and the reports are both, they made a, a, a decent offer to Bozeman back in, in December and he rejected it thinking, you know, and all the stories we heard was the market was going to be robust for him. And um, a certain media mouthpiece for him seemed to be pushing the idea that, you know, he was going to get 12 or 11 or 12 million a year. Obviously it, the market did not turn out that way. Um, so uh, my, and again, this is speculation. I feel like after he turned their offer down, they pivoted to Macari. And I remember Macari was only a restrict was going to be a restricted free agent. So, I mean, Macari was going to be here one way or another, but as you said, you know, he played well, he provides us certainly the ability to, to move back and forth. So, you know, that, that, that flexibility is certainly, um, you know, worth, worth a certain amount of money for sure. Um, but once he's signed, then I think we get into, you know, now we get into March and, um, you know, the, obviously the deal Bozeman signed, I think every Ravens fan would have loved to have had, loved to have had him back for that. 
But I have I have a feeling that once the Ravens signed, so Makari gave them the ability. I can, he can play center, he can play guard too, but play center or right tackle. So we gave them that flexibility. They always want to go into the draft having a starter in every position. And my feeling was once they signed Morgan Moses to play right tackle, that left. I, I don't know. I mean, Macari's deal is five million a year. I don't know if you're paying five million a year for a guy as good as the flex is as valuable as that flexibility is. I'm not sure you're paying him five million a year to be the ba- a backup somewhere. Um, so my feeling was that once Moses was signed, then the door was definitely shut uh, on on Bozeman because at, at that point they they could plug in Macari in that spot. Does it mean he'll start there? Because obviously if they were to draft the, the center in the first round, you know, then there's a good chance that kid is starting at center in, in, in September. And then Makari is your, your swing, your swing guide all over the place. But I feel like it's that we have, you know, they, they want to plug, they want to have somebody in place before the draft to be a starter in every position. And right now, I mean, who, I mean, I, Makari is clearly the starting center because uh, you know, Cologne is there, but Macari certainly got the more, more experience and you're paying him more. Now, again, whether that plays out after the draft, depending upon how, how the draft goes, um, that remains to be seen. And, you, you know, he's also, you know, he's also flexibility to go to left tackle as well right now. Figure that gets addressed in the draft. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's what happened with Bozeman is it just he, he, priced himself out and he, you know, he kept looking for a bigger deal and the Ravens said, okay, we're moving on without you. We're signing Moses and, and Macari is going to be our center now. Yeah. It's just really interesting how that all unfolded that way. And the optics were a little bit different than I think people probably felt and myself included that, that JC Treader was a guy that could be a relatively reasonable signing would fit in. Well, he's played next to Kevin Zeitler before, He's very competent and, and a good center, certainly uh, well-versed in the AFC North. I just thought that was a good fit. But I think that, you know, at first when I heard John Harbaugh today talk about they're not going to go free agent for a center, I, I thought maybe he was just a, that was a little bit of a red herring. But, you know, after hearing what you had to say about Macari and, and the rationale behind all that, and I know you're speculating, but it makes sense. And, you know, I'm of the opinion now that they're interested in Bobby Wagner and they seem to be in the in the mix for it anyway. That that would probably end their free agent talks, you know, with with other players or at least significant players. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would. And obviously, you know, I, I you last time we talked about this, I, I'm on board with Treader too. In fact, I you know I might have taken him over Bozeman to start with, but it, it's interesting that does he there he does not uh, at least that I've seen there hasn't been any kind of discussion about him you know, anybody being interested in him. So, you know, maybe, maybe he didn't have as good years as projected last year or as uh, reported last year, or, you know, and you might be right. Maybe that's just, you know, Harbaugh saying this is where we are now. And, you know, I mean, if, if Treader's looking at a, uh, you know, something close to Bozeman, you know, maybe that's something they could find a way to make it work or make it shorter term deal add a couple of years on it, and, you know, make it worth his while. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, obviously if with, you know, their eggs are, if their eggs are in the Wagner basket right now, but it doesn't, it doesn't come to fruition, then maybe that, that, you know, that frees up the money to go uh, in a different direction. It sounds like they're still 
um, you know, hopeful that they can bring Calais Campbell back. So obviously that's the money they budgeted, you know, that's a number they budgeted uh, at that spot too. So, you know, if, if some of those things don't come to fruition, that's where plans B and plan C or, or DEF or whatever it might be. Sometimes you pick up some nice pieces there just because it wasn't, it wasn't a priority, but it's, it's a nice fit just the same if, if you've got the money down the road. I wanted to talk to, about Wagner a little bit more, but before we do, I wanted to remind everyone that the front office is brought to you by Royal Farms. Royal Farms features the area's best chicken and sandwiches. And don't forget, Royal Farms rewards program for you who are loyal and express loyalty to Royal Farms. They've got a great program that gives a little bit of back, a little bit back to you for that loyalty. But back to Bobby Wagner, um, uh, Brian, the, the one year $11 million figure has been floated out by people that I think are in the know, you know, we've seen Josina William or Josina Anderson put that out there. And, and I think even maybe it was Rappaport or Schefter. I'm not sure, but I've seen that number floating around a little bit. And, you know, that might seem like a one year rental. It might seem relatively reasonable based upon his quality of play at that particular position, but tell our listeners why that really doesn't work well for the Ravens. Yeah, because of the limited cap space, if if, 11, if it's 11 million one year deal, that's 11 million on this year's cap. Um, and as we've seen with some of these other deals, the three year deals they've done with other guys, they're 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 able to the longer the term deal, they're able to bring that first year cap number down. Um, Moses was in the threes um, and then um, uh, Ricard's just two point one nine. So. Um, you know, so you, you, you can really, the longer the term deal, you can make it fit. And, you know, they're, they're tight against the cap. Now they haven't restructured anybody yet. They're going to need to at some point. Um, but they don't have a lot of great options there either. And when you're trying to maximize your cap dollars, um, you know, you, you want a longer term deal. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I think they, they probably prefer to have him signed with three year deal, expecting him to play here for three years, you know, um, it's the one and done, the one year rental. And I can understand a player wanting that at this point. Um, but clearly the market hasn't, you know, he, he was cut pretty early in the free agent period. And obviously the market hasn't developed real well for him either. It would seem um, if the Rams, I saw something, they were only offering four or 5 million. I don't know if that's accurate, you know? Um, so, you know, it, it, it would be, it will be interesting um, the Ravens have last year and this year have avoided using void years. Um, you know, that's, that's barring from future years, but you know, if the, it, the question is if it's a guy they really want and the only way to get him is on a one year deal with, they can add void years. Um, you know, so if it's 11 million, you know, you it, now this is, you know, this is to get, to get his cap number low. You got to give them a big bonus. You use those void years to spread that out into the future. Um, but that's going to mean a hit next year that you'd rather not take. And obviously next year, if they have to franchise Lamar, you know, that's going to take, you know, you don't, you want to keep as much empty, empty cap space there as possible. And you don't want to be borrowing from it for too much. So I would be surprised if they use void years, but certainly if they did, that would tell you how much they wanted Bobby Wagner. So, if it was 11 million, you gave him a $2 million salary. You tacked on two extra void years. 
then it would give him a $5 million cap number this year, the 2 million salary and a 3 million bonus proration. But that means those two future bonus prorations would hit next year's cap at $6 million in dead money. Um, doesn't sound very appetizing to me. Uh, but again, it might, you know, if they, you know, that that's more the all in approach that some people want them to take, you know, future, the future be damned. Um, that's 6 million of damned right there. But um, you know, but that's probably, that would be the way they would use void years if they were going to use them. And like I said, I, I guess if you want somebody badly enough and you think he's the actual, the absolute right fit, it's worth doing. Now they could always extend them next year and, and get to be able to spread that six over those two years if they got an extension done before the league year next year. So, I mean, there's, there's a possibility of that if it's a good fit and everybody likes each other of extending him. Um, but, you know, I don't know that he's a, yeah, is he a, you know, I don't know what he's looking for, obviously 11 million a year uh, for just one year, which sound, sounds like that means he wants, he thinks he's worth more than that uh, over a long-term deal. Cause otherwise why'd I take, you know, try to work out a, a, a deal that's, you know, that's 10, eight, nine, 10, 11 million a year on a three-year deal or something like that, which they're able to probably be more interested in doing. But, you know, maybe the number he's looking for on, uh, you know, an annual uh, on a long term deal just isn't there with the offers. Well, when you look at, at Wagner, he's what, a 32 year old player. Yeah, I mean, I think he's only 31, but OK, uh, so, but, you know, you would think that now is the time he'd want a longer term deal, because as we've seen in the NFL, you, you, you have an off year, you're learning a new system, maybe it doesn't go quite as well and and therefore why let 2022 be the basis upon which your last contract's probably going to be based upon. I would think that now he'd be more interested in something more than a one-year deal, unless his end game is to get paid in 2022 to ultimately go to the Rams when they might have more cap space in the future. I don't know. I mean, just, just pure speculation on my part, but I'm sorry if, Bobby Wagner wants to play for the Ravens. Like you said, for a, on a three-year deal, I'd like to see him play for the Ravens for three years, but I, I don't want to use all those options and, and play around with the cap just to give a guy a one-year rental. I just don't see that being long-term beneficial and, and maybe short-term it, it would help. But I think in the long-term it for a one-year rental, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why, you know, the, Obviously, I'm not a huge proponent of void years. That there may be some circumstances where they make some sense, but um, this is not one. If we're talking about the 11 million, I, you know, I don't know, you know, how how you want to take on six million just to have him here for for the, for a year. Now, Brian, we've talked about this in the past. I think it's always important to revisit this topic because earlier on in the program, you said there was a little bit over seven million dollars in cap space available to the Ravens, and then you said in order for them to make some additional moves, they're going to have to create some additional space with restructures, cuts, or whatever. And some people probably say, well, I thought you said they have 7 million, but let's talk about effective cap space again, because that 7 million is pretty well earmarked for other needs during the 2022 season. Am I right? Oh yeah. More than the 7 million is earmarked. So yeah. So your draft class is going to cost you, uh, about four million. Their rookie pool is is over twelve million, but because of the rule of fifty one, uh, some of those players will fall below the fifty one, so they won't fully count against the cap. And then the rookies, the the higher draft picks that do count 
amongst the top 51 will displace a player out of the top 51. So once you get those offsets, uh, you're looking at a little less than $4 million for your draft picks. Uh, right now, again, the rule of 51 is only the top 51 cap numbers count. So the roster, obviously, so you have to add 50 player 52 and 53 just to get to the regular season roster. That's a that's a one point. That's at, at a minimum one point six million. Um, your practice squad is about three point five million. Um, and then um, you've got you got to have set aside money for your practice squad elevations. Those two players per week you can bring up. They not that not that they will do that every week, but, you, you know, they have to have money set aside to be able to do that. Um, and then you have to have your injury reserve fund uh, once the season starts. Um, you need money there, you know, five to six million ish in that, you know, for those, that number. So, I mean, you're looking at about 16 million in future expenses that will need to be accounted for. Um, hopefully it turns out to be less, but, you, you know, you, you can't count on less. You got to count on more and, and hope you have some left over at the end. So, you know, um, with those, their effective cap space is really a, a negative 8.8 million. Um, so that's where. You know, they haven't needed to. They haven't needed the cap space right now. They have seven million in cap space. I get on Twitter. I constantly get why haven't they restructured this guy? Why haven't they released that guy yet? But until they need to, they don't need it. I mean, right now they don't need it. But at some point they're going to need it. Certainly, I've said all along, Marlon Humphrey at almost seven point two million is an easy restructure. And that pretty much gets them almost back to even, so to speak, with future expenses. Uh, but then there's, you know, they have some other options, Zeitler's and another one that seems like an easy option uh, to restructure. And you've got Miles Boykin, who is still hanging around. Um, you know, there's there's cap savings there, whether it's a trade or a release. Ben Powers also fits into that same category. And then, you know, there's guys you'd like, you know, you'd like to see, you know, I personally like to see Marcus Peters extended, which would reduce his cap number. And then we got the big daddy and that's, you know, that's Lamar's deal. And obviously a long-term deal for him would, uh, would create some, would create a decent chunk of cap space. So, um, you know, they, they don't have a lot of options, but they certainly have options, um, you know, and obviously it depends. So that, that's again, where if you were trying to put, um, uh, if you're, if you're trying to put, um, Jeez, sorry, my brain is not working right now. Uh, Bobby Wagner, if you're trying to fit Bobby Wagner in a 12, 11 million, that's why it doesn't fit. <laughs> you know, it, it easily doesn't fit with what they need, what they have, the ability they have to create space. It still doesn't fit. Um, so that's where, um, you know, that longer term deal for Wagner would make more sense. But so that's that's the effective cap space. And at this time of year, once we get those, you know, for, for after those first couple expenditures, the fans need to focus on that. And, you know, I try to put a chart up on Twitter pretty often about, okay, here's where we are, but, you know, doesn't mean we, you know, they just have seven, the 7 million they have right now doesn't mean they can spend all of it, um, you know, because of these other future expenses until they do something else. Um, you know, they, they are going to have to figure something else out to create space. Brian, you mentioned earlier that the rookie pool, would be about $12 million of which they need to create 4 million in space, basically, uh, you know, leveraging the rule of 51, 51 players accounted for under the cap to be in compliance. Let's, let's say that they don't have that $4 million and these, they draft the, they've got what 12 draft picks. Yes. 
Okay, they've got 12 draft picks. So they draft, they make 12 sorry, picks. They have, they have 10. 10. They have 10? 10, yes. Okay, so they have 10 draft picks. And so they draft all 10 players, and now they're going to try to sign these guys, but then they don't have that money because they – I know the easy fix is to try to get Humphrey, you know, extended and what or, or restructured. But if they're, they show up and they're – they can't take the field unless they're signed, am I right? Yeah, I mean they 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 come to OTAs under a under um, there's a signed indemnification agreement, um, and you know that they'll that they'll be you know they'll get the contract they're supposed to get, especially since it's slotted now. Right. Um, they'll still get you know if they show up because they show up in OTAs right after the draft or early May, and now these days they're all most of them are generally signed by then, but it seems like a couple seem to linger into June. Uh, but yeah, they, they can come to OTAs, they, they, whether it's an insurance policy, whether the team takes an insurance policy, I'm not sure exactly how it works. They, but yeah, they're, they're covered by an injury waiver. If they get hurt, they still get the same deal. Okay. So, so when they get slotted in, they get signed by that time, it's, it's the Ravens have the flexibility to make room for that $4 million for the rule 51. Yeah. They don't have that at the time of the draft. Um, the only time that becomes an issue because technically once the player is drafted, he hits the cap at um, the rookie minimum, just the rookie minimum salary for the first year. Okay. Um, that would fall below the rule of 51 where they are right now. So that, that wouldn't be an issue. There have been a couple of times and hasn't been recent. It happened to the Ravens once um, where the team going into the, in the week going into the draft only had like 40 some players under contract. So a couple of those players would have, because of that immediate, that immediate minimum tender would have hit the rule of 51 and they would have put the Ravens over the cap, which would not have allowed them to draft. So I think it was McCrary. Um, so this is probably 2002. They restructured McCrary's deal right before the draft to create the cap space to give them that cushion. Um, and that was 2002 where they were, you know, they basically had cut everybody from the Super Bowl year, the two years before the purge. Um, and then late, late in that year, they re-signed Bullware. Uh, they extended Bullware and extended Ray. It would have been nice if they could have gotten that done in March. But um, so that, that created cap space for them to do all these other expenses we were talking about. But that year they were so tight against the cap until they got those two deals done um, that they really – they didn't have anything and they didn't want to and McCrary was coming off an injury and he really was never the same. And they really, that, that, unfortunately that restructure was not, a was not a good thing in the end for them, but they had to do it just to get under the, just to get enough room to draft their players. Now, speaking of restructures and extensions, word just came out that John Harbaugh just received a three-year extension. He's now going to be the Ravens skipper through 2025 thoughts on that. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, you know, um, Bishotti definitely, um, likes, um, I've seen, he seems to like Harbaugh first off, not that that's the way you should run your, <laughs> run your, your franchise, but, um, he likes continuity. He's, he's spoken and he's spoken in the past, um, about how he, um, admires the way the Steelers have done things and, you know, the continuity and certainly, you know, a lot of Steeler fans wanted, uh, you want to cower out uh, because he couldn't get over the hump and then he finally got over the hump. And so, you know, I think um, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, 
Harbaugh seems to, uh, you know, the, his transformation from his early uptight years to his, uh, not that I'm sure he's not uptight at different times, <laughs> any given moment, but, you know, he certainly seems to be more player friendly coach and, you know, listening to him talk about the, you know, the changes they were making for the players health and, you know, to keep everybody healthy. So, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, uh, you know, if he, if he, if, if he got fired from here, he'd be hired in a heartbeat somewhere. So, uh, you know, a lot of fans aren't happy with them mainly over Greg Roman probably, but, um, you know, he's seen and he has a good relationship with Lamar. So I, I don't, you know, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon, unless the wheels really come off the cart. This is true. So have we missed anything, Brian? Nope. I think that's pretty much it. All right. Well, until next week, that's our program for this week. Hopefully we'll have another contract breakdown next Tuesday, Brian. Maybe it'll be Bobby Wagner. We shall see. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at RSR Lombardi, Brian at Raven salary cap. Follow us on YouTube at Russell Street Report. And please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Also, be sure to check out RavensDraftCentral.com. James Ogden, Dev Panchois, and Nikhil Mehta are doing some great work there. And James and Dev's podcast under Ravens Draft Central can also be found wherever you get your podcast. Oh, and on Friday, we have a couple of big announcements to make on Russell Street Report. So stay tuned, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next week on The Front Office.